0: Welcome to the Foundations of Learning podcast where we believe every child deserves a tailored and enriching educational experience By embracing diverse perspectives and sharing practical tips I hope to inspire you to actively participate in your child's learning journey Fostering a love for knowledge and nurturing the skills necessary for success in a rapidly changing world. Let's get started Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I have a lot in store for today's podcast. We are going to be talking about parent involvement. We are going to be talking about the public school system and how we're doing. We're going to go over studies that talks about parent involvement and the um, academic success that you can gain with parent involvement. And then I'm going to give you some action steps at the very end that you can put into place as soon as you are done listening to this podcast. So let's get started. So The first thing that I wanted to ask you is, do you think that we have handed over too much responsibility to our public education system? Now, what do I mean by that? I want you to think about the environment that we are in right now, or the views that people have of our education system right now, or the things that you might have heard that are happening in our education system, Um, because this is something that I thought was very interesting as a teacher was that sometimes I would spend more time with a child than even the parent. And I just thought that was crazy because, I mean, you don't really get to pick your teachers, right? When you send your kid to school, you just, here's the teacher that they get, this is the grade they're in, this is the school they go to, and you don't have as much of a choice on your teacher or the school than I think you should have. And so I just thought it was interesting because, you know, you're sending your kid to some random person for a long period of time. And children are so malleable in everything as far as what they're learning, their behaviors, their values, their beliefs, all of that. They're absorbing everything around them. So I just want to put that question out there. Do you think that we are giving the education system too much responsibility? All right, so I want to talk about our education system, a little bit about the history. Now, I'm not going to go into full-blown detail about everything. I'm just going to kind of give bits and pieces so you can kind of understand why our system is set up the way that it is set up today and just to kind of think like, okay, is this system going to be the best for our children and um, their learning and their future success. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is that before in America, before we had any sort of, um, actual, like what you would think of as schools, um, we had the idea that you should be teaching the basics to your children. And then they would go to another school for something that's more specialized once they were older. So the families were teaching basic arithmetic. They were teaching them reading and, um, all of that good stuff. And then sometimes, if you were not wealthy, then you didn't go to a school, but you might have learned um, like a trade or something that your family might be. Um participating in. So that was kind of how it worked before we came up with a system. But as our nation progressed, they started to um, create schools. Um, These were schools that um, were just in different states. Um, I think Massachusetts was actually the first um, state to have like a school that kids could go to. Um, And then we started to do compulsory schooling, which was where you had to go to the school. Um, They had schools all over. This is when we actually started using taxes to pay for the schools. Um, And so really what they sold it as is, hey, no matter whether you are poor or wealthy, your child can go and get this proper education. Now, the only thing I want to bring up is that the reason we started doing compulsory schooling and what they sold it as is very different. So I want to read something to you. Um, It was actually something that Thomas Jefferson had wrote to James Madison. And he says after several violent upspring, or sorry, after several, I cannot talk after several violent uprisings in the late 18th century, such as Shays rebellion and the whiskey rebellion, politicians became increasingly interested in education. So After all of this um, trouble they were having within our society as Americans, there was a lot of fighting still, um, and they needed a way to... Basically educate the masses of young children to tell them that, hey, this is not the way we solve problems. We cannot be violent. And so it was more of a way for them to build a moral character and to teach children about our laws and the way that our culture would be in America than it was about reading and writing and arithmetic and things like that. Yes, they still taught those things, but that wasn't their primary reason. So soon after the Shays' Rebellion, Thomas Jefferson wrote James Madison, again, saying that it should be taught in schools that violence is an is an illegitimate way for citizens to express discontent and that it should be drilled into them to express it by voting. And I just think that's so interesting that that is how we got super intrigued by education as like a country is because we were in a very violent time in history in America um, where we were fighting with each other and they wanted that to stop. Um, So I want to read something from Alvin Toffler. Um, He wrote something called Industrial Era School in 1970. And I just thought this was so interesting. So I want to read it to you. It says, Mass education was the ingenious machine constructed by industrialism to produce the kind of adults it needed. The problem was inordinate." inordinately complex how to pre-adapt children for a new world a world of repetitive indoor toil smoke noise machines crowded living conditions collective discipline a world in which time was to be regulated not by the cycle of sun and moon but by the factory whistle and the clock the solution was an educational system that in its very structure simulated this new world the system did not emerge instantly even today it retains throwback elements from pre-industrial society yet the whole idea of assembling masses of students raw material to be produ- to be processed by teachers or the workers in a centr- centrally located school. The factory was a stroke of industrial genius. The whole administrative hierarchy of education as it grew up followed the model of industrial Bureaucracy. The very organization of knowledge into permanent disciplines was grounded on industrial assumptions. Children marched from place to place and sat in assigned stations. Bells rang to announce changes of time. The inner life of the school thus became an anticipatory mirror, a perfect introduction to industrial society. The most criticized features of education today The regimentation, lack of individualization, the rigid systems of seating, grouping, grading, and marking, the authoritarian role of the teacher are precisely those that made mass public education so effective, an instrument of adaptation for its place and time. So, what he's getting at is that the reason that we created school was not so much to evoke a love for learning or to teach the kids it was more of a model or a way for us to mold generations so that we knew how to act within the society that we were living in which I think is so interesting because I mean if you expose your kids to real life experiences, they're going to learn that. Without ever going to school, they're going to learn about how you act in society. They're gonna learn it by you because they model everything you do. They're gonna model the adults around them. So they're going to eventually learn that. Now, if you are um, participating in behaviors that are not acceptable in this society, then your children are more than likely to as well. So I think it's important to know that we can affect how our children behave, and how they perceive the world just by seeing how we perceive it. Whether you know they're watching or not, they are. So you're probably wondering why I'm talking about our education system and the history of it, but that's because I do believe that it it ties so beautifully to parent involvement because in our society I think there's been kind of a shift where we've handed a lot of responsibility over to the state and not as much responsibility here on the parents and I saw that and felt that as a teacher. This is the harsh truth like as a teacher I remember there were parents for sure that were super involved in their child's education and they wanted to help out any way they could for me or for their child or whatever it was but then there were times where I felt like I had no support from the parents like everything I was trying to do like I was like tell I was blue in the face trying to get them to understand that if they don't do something their child will is going to continue to fall behind and they're not going to catch up and as a teacher, you are doing everything in your power to make sure that these students succeed and that they are on grade level. But when you have 20 or more kids in your classroom and they're at at differing levels, they have different needs, they come from different backgrounds, you have this factory model of, like okay i'm going to teach all of this in the whole group and this is the skills that we're learning because this is what we learn in first grade or second grade or third grade and then throughout the day you can sprinkle in like a little bit of small groups here and a little bit of small groups there and if you have the um aids that you need at your school that's even more helpful because they can help you as well um but a lot of the time teachers just don't have the help that they need and so I do think that there is either our system needs to change, which it hasn't changed in the last hundred years, or we need to take more responsibility back at home so that we can ensure that everyone succeeds. All right. So I want to read one more thing to you um, by Augustina Pellett. I might be saying that wrong. She is a professor at the University of California and she wrote an article um, called Education or Indoctrination and she has been quoted saying children are like sponges. Politicians thought that primary schools could shape behavior by instilling fear of punishment for misbehavior or conversely by promoting rewards for proper behavior. The mere act of attending school every day, sitting still, not speaking out of turn and following schedules, routines and rituals like marching in silence from classroom to break room would make individuals internalize from a young age what constituted good manners and civil behavior. And I think that when we're talking about what is good manners, what is civil behavior? Is it that we just do everything that somebody else tells us to do? Is it that we know how to quietly walk from place to place? Is it that we know how to raise our hand, and wait to speak until we are called upon? Is it that we can sit still for long periods of time? Is that really what, a, what good manners and civil behavior is? I don't think so. And I get that in a classroom when you have 20 kids, you have to have a management style where you do have to have them raise their hand to be called on or, um, you know, you have to make sure that they're walking quietly from in the hallway from class to class. And that's just so that they don't distract the others that are in the classrooms learning, um, you know. And if I had the kids just blurt out all the time, like when you have 20 littles just screaming out at you, it's it's a lot. and You can't even hear what anyone's saying. And so. Yes, do I think it's important that we know how to actively listen and that we can, um, you know, have a conversation where you know that you shouldn't be speaking over someone, so you are going to let them speak. And then to be an active listener, you have to, um, basically, uh, spit back what they had said to you, right? You have to be able to say, okay, you said blah 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 blah, and I, you know, I understand this and here's my own view so that you they know that you listen to what they said. They know that you understood what they said, and then you can give your own two cents there. So I think that th- there are some important things that we do teach in schools, but there are a lot of detrimental things that I don't think makes a good society. We need to be able to stand up for things that we believe in, even if it's a person in power, because if we don't have that, then how can we keep powers that might not be in the best interest of the people in check, right? Like we have to be able to stand up for things that we believe in and value, but we shouldn't be doing it violently. Yes, I totally agree with that as far as what Thomas Jefferson and them said, like we can't be violent, right? And so I think that it's important to think about our school system. And if you haven't been in your child's classroom, I urge you, go to your child's classroom if you can, like volunteer if you can, see how that that classroom is set up and, um, you know, talk to your your children, talk to them about how they like their teacher or, um, you know, something silly that happened in the day or what was your, what was the silliest thing that happened in your day? What was... um, the most frustrating thing that happened in your day or give them a little bit more. So it's not so broad, like how was your day, right? So much happened in that seven hours that you need to get a little more specific. Like what was something that made you really happy today? Like working at their emotions because then that's going to give you more information about what that school is like or what that teacher is like. All right, so let's talk about the US Board of Education. What is its mission and how is it doing? And how does this correlate to you? So the Board of Education's mission is to promote student achievement in preparation for global competitiveness by fostering educational excellence and ensuring equal access. It was created in 1980 by combining offices from several federal agencies. Um, It currently has 4,400 employees and a $68 billion budget that is dedicated to establishing policies on federal financial aid for education and distributing, as well as monitoring those funds, collecting data on America's schools, and looking at research, focusing national attention to key educational issues, and then prohibiting discrimination and ensuring equal access to education. So... Let's look at some stats what how are they doing so the New York Times um just posted an article um, actually on their instagram so if you want to go look at it you can um, but it was reading and math scores and it was the NAEP stats so it's like national educ or national association education progress or something is what it stands for um but It's not looking good. So for fourth graders, and this was, I think this was um, stats from 2022, um, because it takes them a little while to actually get the stats out. So I don't think it was 23. I could be wrong on that. It might be 23, but it still stands that this is crazy. So fourth graders, there are 66% of fourth graders are at a basic or below level. So that's not even stating proficient. So the other part of the percentage was above or proficient. So that means that they're not even proficient in fourth grade math. Okay. And then same thing with eighth grade, 69% for reading basic or below. That's a lot of kids that cannot read at an eighth grade level. And one thing I want to know is when I started this business and I was writing blog posts, I looked up like how, you know, many words should I be writing or, you know, how to write a blog, a blog post or whatever. And it told me that I should not write above a sixth to an eighth grade level because people can't read past that. When that's a suggestion that's a problem. Like we are the most educated. If you can't see me, I'm doing, um, you know, finger quotations, educated. We are the most educated society, but yet we can only read to a sixth or eighth grade level. I urge you at home, just type in like sixth grade level um, reading test or eighth grade level reading test. And look at what it is. It's not that complicated, guys. Like I had first graders that were reading some of the words that are in the sixth grade and eighth grade level of things. I would They could read some of those words. Yeah, it took them a long time and they might not understand it, but they were able to decode those words. So it's wild that we are failing. And I don't want to just say, well, it's the teacher's fault. That's why they're failing. No, I think some of it also has to do with the fact that, like I said, parent involvement has shifted a little bit in our society. And we send our kids to school, we might do homework with them, whatever, but like, we're not super involved in it. And so I think that it's easy for kids to all of a sudden get behind, you go to parent teacher conferences, and you're like, wait, what? They're a first grader, how are they already behind? Like, what is happening? So anyways, I think that um, it's not just the teachers, I think it's the way our system is set up and then I also know that we had we've had reading wars for decades about what is the best way to teach kids to read? Whole reading, phonics, systematic phonics, like what what should we be teaching? And we actually have 70 years of brain research on how we learn to read and it was actually created for dyslexic dyslexic students and then they realized like, wait, this is how everyone learns to read. They did the study over um, multiple age groups, different countries for decades and actually scanned brains of people that were readers and people that were learning to read or people that were not readers at all. And they figured out which parts of the brain were lighting up for specific things. And when we, t- when we taught this, this, you know, made it, um, they mastered this skill faster if we did this type of strategy and whatever. So we know. And so the fact that we have that much research and we're still failing our students is crazy. And I can tell you it's because of the lack of education for univers or for teachers that are going to teach your kids i did not go to college that long ago and i was not taught the science of reading which is what i was just talking about i wasn't taught that i was taught the crappiest strategies of all time to teach kids to read and it showed like my first year of teaching if oh, i wish i could go back and just like back in time and like do what i'm doing now because I failed a lot of kids and year after year, I just kept doing more research, more research. And then finally, a couple of years ago, I learned about the science of reading and it just clicked and all my kids were making so much progress. It like it was insane. I've never seen so much growth in my students. And so it's just it's just disgraceful that that's what we're doing. And their job is the education. The Board of Education's job is to promote student achievement and preparation for excellence. So don't know how excellent that is, but whatever. Anyways. Okay. So now we're going to talk about math. So same thing for, so the basic and below, this is not even proficiency. Okay. Fourth graders, 64% basic and below math, eighth grade, 73% basic and below. They can't read. They can't do math. And we're just going to send them out into the world. And more than likely they're those kids that are behind, which is a ton of them are going to stay behind. They're going to graduate high school somehow without knowing how to read and to write. It's a problem. So let's go into parent involvement and why it is so crucial, especially in today's age of these scores, that you should be involved in your child's education. So there was a study, it was a meta- meta-analysis, so I actually looked at 42 different studies um, done from 2003 to 2021. It was done by EGE University at the Faculty of Education in Turkey. And they found that parent involvement was significantly associated with school success in children. The most important pieces were that parents were reading with their children at home, maintaining high aspirations and expectations for the education of their children, establishing communication and discussing school issues with their children, providing encouragement and support for learning. So those were like the top, like that. those are the most important pieces that you need to focus on as a parent. But they also found in this part, I thought was the most interesting. They also found that those with lower socioeconomic status families had a potential to reduce or eliminate the educational disadvantages, unfavorable conditions, and risks for academic failure if the parents were more involved. Now, I might be the only one here, but I am so sick of our victim mentality in our world. You are a victim if you're telling yourself you're a victim. In our world today, I get that there are mean people out there. I get that there are people that have views that are not very tasteful. And I totally understand that. But the second that we let ourselves be a victim is the second that you're going to fail in life. We have to stop with this victim mentality. We've got to just like, seriously, like the fact that even if you are like down, like you are, you know, Living paycheck to paycheck or whatever it is, you can actually help your child out of that just by doing the things up here that we're we're talking about, which was reading with your child. Take, you know, read to them while they're in the bath um, or maintaining high aspirations and expectations for their education. You are telling them that this is your expectation. This is what we have to do because this is how we can succeed in life, right? Because there are even studies that show that if you are a fluent reader, you're a good writer, a good communicator, that can determine your financial independence. It determines the way that you interact with the world, the way you view the world. So, it all goes back to these foundations that kids are not getting. And so even if you're like, well, I have this going against me and this going against me and this going against me, fix it for your kids, right? Establish communication, discuss their school issues with them, discuss how they're doing in school, make it a priority and it will be a priority to them if you're encouraging them and supporting their learning they're going to know it's important and they're going to see the importance um i've had parents where i've told them like their child's falling behind and they're like well they try hard though right and i'm like no you're not getting the point like just because they're trying hard yes i love that they're trying hard But we're falling behind and we need to do something. And unfortunately, like I said, no matter how hard I tried, no matter the best strategies I was using, whatever, some kids just need more one-on-one work. It just takes longer for some kids to learn these skills. And as a teacher, I could provide them with maybe 15, 30 minutes max, maybe 40 minutes max a day of skills they need. That's not enough time. And so I just it's so important that parents are involved. Okay, so let's look at another one, another study. So in the book, Parental Involvement and Academic Success, he brings up a great point in regards to the fact that within American culture from the beginning, we have emphasized parent involvement, but due to the demands of modern society, diverse concepts of family life and other factors, we've kind of gone away from the max amount of parent involvement that we used to have right like it's not that long ago that we had one parent at home with the kids and they might not have homeschooled but they were home they you know spent a lot of time with their kids and then we kind of shifted and now I mean to survive life you have like two parents have to work almost like it's you know due to our inflation and um you know, our jobs are requiring more of us and we're working more hours. And just the way that our world is set up today is making it so that parents are away from home more than they ever used to be. And it's, I just wanted you to know that you do have choices. You know, you can homeschool, you can send them to a private school if you have the means to, Um, you can sign them up for micro schools that's actually what my business is about is I teach parents how to teach kids to read so that you have the information so that you can just practice these little things at home if they are in public school and maybe they're behind or you just don't want them to fall behind. And so you're, you know, working with them on these little skills that I teach in my courses, like that is going to help them so much. One, it's going to show them that education's a priority. Two, it's a time that you get to spend one-on-one together and it's a focused attention on your child. There's no distractions of technology and different things, something you're doing and it just, it's going to help them to succeed. So you can sign them up for micro schools. Um, But even if this isn't the case, like I said, your child's in public school, you can still make sure that you have time where You know, we I feel like even as a society that we don't even sit around the kitchen table and have dinner together anymore and have discussions as a family and talk about education, talk about those things. And if you do, great. That's amazing. We should be doing those things where things are turned off. There's no music. There's no podcast. There's no um, TV. There's nothing. It's just you and your family sitting around the table, having a discussion. And I think that it's so important that you do that because here are my action steps for parent involvement. Number one, if you have a belief of a better world, your child will too. If you think, you know what, there's a lot of crappy things that are happening in our world, but I know that I can make a difference in this world. And I know that I can make this place just a little bit better by being kind or um, by having hope or by my actions matter. Your children will understand. Well, guess what? My parents' actions matter. So do mine. Consistency. So number two, consistency and how it makes us feel safe and secure. So when you have consistency in your life, that's actually what makes us feel safe. That's what makes makes us feel secure. Um, and so if you have routines that are set up for your kids, so whether it's like, okay, Um, you know, they they can expect that whenever they get home from school, they know they're going to get a snack. They know they're going to get their homework time done. And then they know that they get to, you know, pick a fun activity that they get to do. They know that dinner is going to be at this time and we have to sit around the table um, and talk to one another. And then we know it's bath time. And then, you know, every night before we go to bed, we get to read a book and then we go to sleep. Like, so if you can keep a consistent routine, which I know that things happen where you have soccer practice, dance practice, tumbling practice, or All of the things, right? But as long as there is a consistency, they're going to feel safe and secure. And that is a big, big deal. If your child doesn't feel safe and secure, their learning's not going to happen. You have to look back at the hierarchy of needs of food, water, shelter, warmth. um, And then you get love, you know, the security, all of that good stuff because you have all your needs met. And then that consistency helps to keep them feeling safe and secure. So another thing is complimentary. You should be complimentary of your children. Like, sh- tell tell them what their strengths are. Um, you know, tell them what they're really awesome at, and it's it's gonna show. Like, they're going to say, "Oh my gosh, I'm I am super good at this." You're right, right. And then you could also, you know, give them maybe something that they could work on or whatever. Like, you can do that, but it's important that you are letting them know, "Hey, I think you're awesome, and this is why." High expectations the expectations you set for your children are going to be what your child does. If you have very low expectations for your child, they'll meet that expectation. If you have super high expectations, they'll meet that expectation. Um, I saw this a lot as a classroom teacher. If my expectations were very low, my children didn't, my kids in my class didn't perform very well. But if my expectations were really high, it actually helped them to succeed in whatever it was that I was asking of them because they knew like, okay, no matter what, she's going to expect me to do this. And no, I wasn't just like, well, you better be able to do this. And if you can't, then, you know, you're in trouble. No, it was, Hey, this is what you're going to be able to do. These are our action steps and what we're going to do to make sure you get here. But guess what? That means you have to work really hard. And sometimes you're going to get frustrated, but that's okay. Cause I'm here to help you. So it doesn't matter If you get frustrated because I'm here and these are the steps we're gonna take. And as we take these steps, we're gonna check them off and then we're gonna get to this point. And guess what? The kids were super stoked about it. They knew what they needed to do. They knew it was possible. They knew that I was there with them and they knew they had to meet that goal. Now I wasn't like, if you don't meet it, you're in trouble. No, if we didn't meet it, I was like, you know what? That's okay, we're here. This is where we're at on your map. And all that matters is how hard you're working. So as long as you're working hard, That's fine, we're gonna eventually get here. We didn't get there as fast as we thought, that's okay. Let's keep working, right? So have those high expectations. And then also the biggest, biggest one is that parents believe, and I mean truly believe, that they are the main contributor to their child's success. If you think, well, nah, I sent them to school, system's got it, which I have seen comments like that on my social media where people will tell me, nah, you're crazy, school system's got it. Why would I need to do anything? Why should I care? you should care because all of these studies show by, there was actually a graph that I didn't even talk about in one of these studies. And in every single aspect, I mean, they looked at all angles. They looked at, um, single parent homes, they looked at two parent homes, they looked at low socioeconomic status, they looked at high middle socioeconomic status, they looked at um, if you know how educated the parents were, they looked at um, where they lived big city, rural, they looked at um, just all aspects of what you could think of in those years of 2003 to 2021. And they all, every single one of them, didn't matter where you came from. If you did the things that I just talked about, beliefs in a better world, consistency, you are complimentary. You had high expectations. You believe that you are a main contributor. You talked about the education with your child. You read with them at home. You told them or they are aware that education is a priority in this house and that learning is something that we are going to do for life. If you do those things every time, no matter what, these children outperform other kids that did not get that. So I know you're probably thinking like it took you 30 minutes to get to this point, but I, it's just frustrating as a teacher when I see that it's not happening. And if you are doing these things, fantastic. And if you aren't, please, I urge you to, to do these things, to practice at least one of them, right? Get good at one. And then once you're good at one, move on to the next because what you do matters, what your children see you doing and how you behave and all of that affects them. If you are eating healthy, your child's going to want to eat healthy. If you're exercising, they want to exercise. If you find learning and education a priority and important, they're going to see it that way as well. Everything you do is so important. All right. So I gave you a ton of information and I don't want it to just be like what my thoughts are. Those are my thoughts on the matter. What are your thoughts on the matter? What do you think? Do you think that this actually matters or do you think that our education system has taken too much responsibility? Do you think that we have a good balance in our society right now with parent involvement and our education system? I would love to know. So If you're watching this on YouTube, comment below. Let me know. What do you think? Am I just crazy or is this what you think as well? Um, If you are on my YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. Give me a like. If you don't like it, let me know why you don't like this video. Um, Also comment. What are some topics you'd like me to cover? If you're listening to this on the podcast, um, same thing. Let me know. Give it a like. um, Comment. Follow me. And I'd love to hear what you think but I hope everyone has a fabulous day and that you continue learning and you find success.